Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling journey. Now, today's story is about the White Rose Resistance Movement in Nazi Germany. I have been very inspired by this story. I think that it is really quite amazing. It's about some very courageous young people, and I hope you enjoy it. The White Rose Resistance Movement occurred in the summer of 1942 when a group of young people were willing to risk their lives to have their ideas heard in a nonviolent resistance movement during the reign of Nazi Germany. They were students at the University of Munich along with a professor. From June of 1942 to February of 1943, these brave people distributed leaflets waging an intellectual war against the brutal Nazi regime. They co-authored six anti-Third Reich pamphlets. The White Rose was a smaller group but nonetheless had a magnificent impact, enough to warrant the Nazi regime to stop and take notice. The heart of the movement were students, Sophie Scholl and her brother Hans Scholl, their sister Inga Scholl, Alex Schmorl, Willy Graf, and Christoph Probst, as well as Kurt Huber, a philosophy professor. Within the leaflets that were distributed, the White Rose asked German citizens to actively oppose the Nazi state and its oppression on the German people. These young people were motivated by their Christian beliefs, and they also rejected militarism and fascism. They had seen the atrocities of war and believed Germany would be defeated if their country continued on this path. They hoped for tolerance and justice. Interestingly enough, Sophie and Hans were a part of the Hitler Youth in their teens and believed Adolf Hitler would lead Germany to greatness. However, their parents were not so sure and questioned the Fuhrer's leadership. Sophie and Hans's father would eventually be arrested and spend time in a Nazi prison for telling his secretary, quote, This Hitler is God's scourge on mankind, and if the war doesn't end soon, the Russians will be sitting in Berlin, unquote. Sophie and Hans began to realize their father was right. The German people were losing their freedoms. Songs could not be sung or books could not be read due to their authors being of a different race. The Nuremberg laws began to be passed, continually infringing more and more on the Jewish people. They were all eye-opening experiences to the Scholl children. Inga Scholl recalled, quote, We were living in a society where despotism, hate, and lies had become the normal state of affairs. Every day that you were not in jail was like a gift. No one was safe from arrest for the slightest unguarded remark, and some disappeared forever for no better reason. Hidden ears seemed to be listening to everything that was being spoken in Germany. The terror was at your elbow everywhere you went, unquote. The Scholl family believed that for Germany to regain its freedom, they needed to help the German people to understand that the Nazis and Hitler were destroying Germany, not bringing it back to its greater days. However, it seems that the majority of the German people believed it would be unpatriotic to not support the German government and soldiers during the war. On the other hand, Sophie and Hans believed in the responsibility to stand up to what they believed was an evil regime. Obviously, Nazi Germany did not allow for their citizens to criticize the government. Therefore, their, their dissent must be done secretly. Any kind of disagreement to the Third Reich would land a person in prison, a concentration camp, or they would be convicted of treason. 
and executed. But these siblings shared their beliefs with some trusted friends, and they began the White Rose Resistance Movement, knowing exactly what would happen to them if they were caught. The leaflets they wrote showed up at the University of Munich, and within the leaflet they asked people to make as many copies as they could. During wartime, paper was difficult to have in large quantities, and if purchased in large amounts, the Gestapo might get suspicious. Therefore, to have multiple people making copies would keep this dissent hidden. Once the leaflets were complete, the group would send them throughout Germany, mailing them to professors and students. Stamps were also hard to come by during the war, and again, large quantities of stamps would create suspicion. This was an extremely delicate situation, and their lives were at stake. The group left the leaflets in telephone books and public telephone booths and taken by a trusted courier to other universities. They were also sent to members of the White Rose, and they handed many over to the Gestapo in order to divert suspicion from themselves. The leaflets were sent to many types of professions, from people in the medical field to academic scholars to pub owners, hoping to keep the, keep the Gestapo off their trail. The group members traveled throughout southern Germany to distribute their belief of freedom. They mailed stacks of envelopes and, and hand-delivered some in the middle of the night, all in the name of Germany's freedom. Six leaflets were distributed, and of the six, four were under the title The White Rose, and the other two were titled Leaflets of the Resistance. The opening paragraph of the first leaflet said, quote, Nothing is so unworthy of a civilized nation as allowing itself to be governed without opposition by an irresponsible clique that has yielded to base instinct. It is certain that today every honest German is ashamed of his government. Who among us has any conception of the dimensions of shame that will befall us and our children when one day the veil has fallen from our eyes and the most horrible of crimes, crimes that infinitely outdistance every human measure, reach the light of day? If the German people are already so corrupted and spiritually crushed that they do not raise a hand, frivolously trusting in a questionable faith in lawful order in history, if they surrender man's highest principle, that which raises him above all other God's creatures, his free will, if they abandon the will to take decisive action and turn the will of history and thus subject it to their own rational decision, if they are so devoid of all individuality, have already gone so far along the road toward turning into a spiritless and cowardly mass, then yes, they deserve their downfall, unquote. Not only did they distribute leaflets, but they took a bolder approach too. Three nights in February, three members of the group, Willie, Hans, and Alex, took on the daring task of using tar and paint to write on the sides of houses in Munich near the university. They wrote the phrases, down with Hitler, Hitler mass murderer, and freedom, all while Nazi officials roamed the streets. This action was definitely extremely dangerous and a bolder move than they had made before. On February 18th, Sophie and Hans delivered their leaflets to a university. They left the stacks of pamphlets outside the classrooms in the empty hallways. When the students' classes were over, they would come out to the stack of anti-Nazi rhetoric and the white rose would be long gone. However, Sophie still had some pamphlets left and didn't want them to go to waste. She threw them off a balcony, and unfortunately, she was seen by a custodian. He called the Nazi authorities, and Sophie and Hans were arrested. 
Anyone associated with them were brought in for questioning and interrogation. Sophie Hans and Christoph were intensely questioned for four days. On February 22nd, their trial began. The three had admitted everything, therefore no witnesses were involved. The judge sent to preside over their trial gave them zero chance of innocence, and their court-appointed defense attorney was no help either. He summed up his defense with, quote, let the accused get what they deserve, unquote. In the middle of the trial, Robert and Magdalene Scholl, Hans and Sophie's parents, tried to enter the courtroom. Magdalene said to the guard, quote, but I'm the mother of the two of the accused, unquote. The guard responded, quote, you should have brought them up better, unquote. Robert Scholl was able to force his way into the courtroom and told the court that he was there to defend his children. He was forcibly taken outside. Everyone inside the courtroom heard him shout, One day there will be another kind of justice. One day they will go down in history. And indeed, they are still discussed as heroes and courageous human beings that fought valiantly. During the next few hours of their trial, these young people stood by their ideals. Sophie told the judge, quote, Somebody, after all, had to make a start. What we wrote and said is also believed by many others. They just don't dare to express themselves as we did. Unquote. Later on in the proceedings, she continued on and said, quote, You know the war is lost. Why don't you have the courage to face it? Unquote. Their trial ended in Hans, Sophie, and Christoph being convicted of treason. They were taken back to their prison where Hans and Sophie were able to say goodbye to their parents. Inga Scholl later explained what happened. Quote, First Hans was brought out. He wore a prison uniform. He walked upright and briskly, and he allowed nothing in his circumstances to becloud his spirit. His face was thin and drawn as if after a difficult struggle. But now it beamed radiantly. He bent lovingly over the barrier and took his parents' hands. Then Hans asked them to take his greetings to all his friends. When at the end he mentioned one further name, a tear ran down his face. He bent low so that no one else could see. Then he went out, without the slightest show of fear, borne along by a profound inner strength. Unquote. Then a woman prison guard brought in Sophie. Her mother tentatively offered her some candy, which Hans had declined. Gladly, said Sophie, taking it. Sophie, Sophie, her mother murmured, as if to herself. To think you'll never be coming through the door again. Sophie replied, Oh, mother, after all, it's only a few years more life I'll miss. Sophie, she said softly, remember Jesus. Yes, replied Sophie but you too. Sophie told her parents that she and Hans were pleased and proud that they had betrayed no one, that they had taken all the responsibility on themselves. She left her parents perfectly composed. Robert Moore, a Gestapo official who had come to the prison on business of his own, saw her in her cell immediately afterwards, and she was crying. It was the first time Robert Moore had seen her in tears, and she apologized Quote, I have just said goodbye to my parents. You understand. Unquote. She had not cried before her parents. For them, she had smiled. Elsie Gebel shared a cell with Sophie, 
and she had recorded her last words before being taken away to be executed. Quote, How can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give himself up individually to a righteous cause? It is such a splendid sunny day, and I have to go. But how many have to die on the battlefield in these days? How many young, promising lives? What does my death matter if by our acts thousands are warned and alerted? Among the student body, there will certainly be a revolt. Unquote. The third white rose Christoph Probst was all alone before his death. His wife had just had their third child and was in the hospital recovering. But members of his family did not even know that he was on trial or that he had been sentenced to death. Christoph was not a, a man of organized religion, although he was deeply spiritual and had, a faith, and had his faith in God. The night before his execution, a Catholic priest came to admit him into the church before his death. Christoph said, quote, Now my death will be easy and joyful. Unquote. They were executed by guillotine. A prison guard had reported later, quote, They bore themselves with marvelous bravery. The whole prison was impressed by them. That is why we risked bringing the three of them together once more at the last moment before the execution. If our action had become known, the consequences for us would have been serious. We wanted to let them have a cigarette together before the end. It was just a few minutes that they had, but I believe it meant a great deal to them. Unquote. Sophie was taken first. One witness said that she walked straight to her death, quote, without turning a hair, without flinching, unquote. Christoph was next, and last was Hans. Right before his death, Hans yelled, Long live freedom. Sophie was 21, Christoph 23, Hans 24. Later that year, three other members of the group, including the professor, were convicted and executed. Members of the White Rose who were tracked down were executed or sent to concentration camps. There are places in Germany today named after the members of the White Rose. They will go down in history, and their courage will never be forgotten or silenced. The White Rose resistance movement during Nazi regime was inspiring and still is in so many ways. But unfortunately, we do not think about them on a daily basis. We tend to forget what many people have fought for in history— and the sacrifices they were willing to make for freedom. The ability for people to express their beliefs is a vital part of society, even if it is dissent. When I see peaceful protests, whether I am against the issue or for the issue, I am impressed by the strength and the willingness of those individuals to stand up and speak out. Both sides of an issue need to be recognized, not vilified, if society is able to find the best solutions to problems facing countries as well as communities. Human beings have the responsibility to stand against the evil in this world. I hope to have an ounce of strength and courage of the members of the White Rose one day, but I also hope that one day their willing sacrifice would never have to be endured by anyone anywhere in this world. Martin Niemöller, a Lutheran minister and an early Nazi supporter, but who also was later imprisoned, for opposing Hitler's regime, regime said, quote, First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, 
because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. Unquote. Thanks for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.